the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Monday, December the 25th, 2023, in the year of our Lord. This is Christmas Day. Thanks for joining me. Today on December 25th, 1776, General George Washington and his troops crossed the Delaware River for a surprise attack against the Haitian forces at Trenton, New Jersey. That was during the American Revolutionary War. As you know, he caught them off guard. They were celebrating. Some accounts say most of them were drunk. When George Washington showed up, he would have known that in advance, of course. Today in A.D. 336, 336, the first known commemoration of Christmas on December 25th took place in Rome. Now, I know, and I get emails from people once in a while, not often, but sometimes, saying, Gary, are, are you not aware that December 25th is not the day that Jesus was born? It couldn't be, because shepherds were in the fields. I know all that. I understand that. I know that Jesus most likely, very, very, very most likely, was not born today on December 25th. But I do know that we celebrate his birth today on December 25th. We don't know what day he was born we speculate it might have been in the springtime sometime. We don't know what day he was born, but we celebrate his birthday today. And I think most of us understand. I just want those of you who don't believe that that should happen to know that I'm aware of that, but I still celebrate his birthday today on the 25th. Today in 1066, William the Conqueror was crowned King of England. Today in 1818, Silent Night Still not, I think that's the way they pronounce it in German, was publicly performed in the first time during the Christmas Midnight Mass at the Church of St. Nicholas in Orbendorf, Austria. Today in 1926, Hirohito became Emperor of Japan. He succeeded his father, Emperor, Emperor Hoshohito, I believe that's how you pronounce it. And today in 1989, ousted Romanian President Nikolai Ceausescu, he and his wife, Elena, were executed following a popular uprising. The world is in turmoil all the time. And yet today we pause for a moment. We pause for a moment to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. You know, Christmas means a lot of different things to a lot of people. There are traditions that we have built and held to over the years. Our family certainly has traditions that Marjorie and I have instilled in our own kids and now grandkids and so on. All of that is part of our way of celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ. Christmas is a special day, but yet sometimes on these special days, like Christmas or Easter, days that are eternally important to us, we may be going through some of the most difficult challenges that we have ever faced in our life. Sometimes it just happens that way. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow was my 
personal favorite all-time poet. I like poetry. And um, he's written tons of poet. I mean, there's books and volumes of it. He wrote about he wrote about the culture. He wrote about the ship of state and sail on, O ship of state, and so on. He was a Christian. He was a an unbending supporter of Abraham Lincoln. John Baptiste Calkin would later take the words, a poem of Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, and he would make them into a hymn. We know the hymn as I heard the bells on Christmas Day. But the story behind the poem is a compelling one, and I've told this before on this program, but it's been a while. And if you've been listening for a number of years, you've probably heard this, but it bears repeating. If you haven't heard it, you need to. I think it'll touch your heart like it touches my own. The story behind the poem is a compelling one. It's a story of personal loss. It's a story of restoration on Christmas Day. Here's the story. On July 9th, 1861, Longfellow family suffered a personal tragedy. An oppressive heat wave in Massachusetts, in fact, his home is still there. You can visit it if you're out there in that area. But this heat wave had visited the area in Massachusetts. Longfellow's wife, Fanny, she was uh, trimming some heavy locks from their seven-year-old daughter, Edith. Fanny decided to keep the locks affair, so she placed them in an envelope just to keep for prosperity, prosperity. And uh, she heated the wax to seal the envelope. They were important, and she would give them to her daughter later when her daughter was all grown up. So she put the locks of hair in the envelope. She placed them then on the little table there, and, and she heated the wax to seal the envelope. Well, hot drops of wax fell on her dress. A sudden breeze through an open window caused the dress to ignite. And in an effort to protect her young daughter, Fanny ran into the studio. Longfellow first tried to put out the fire using a rug. When that failed, he threw his body onto his wife, severely burning his face, his arms, and his hands. In fact, he would not shave his face after that. Most pictures you see of him is with a beard, and that's why. Longfellow was so stricken when Fanny Longfellow died the next morning. He was so stricken by her death that he couldn't even attend the funeral. Later that day, on Christmas Day, 1861, Longfellow wrote in his journal, How inexpressibly sad are all holidays. I can make no record of these days. Better leave them wrapped in silence. Perhaps someday God will give me peace. On Christmas Day of 1862, he wrote, A Merry Christmas, say the children, but there is no more for me. In the late fall of 1863, Longfellow received word that his oldest son, Lieutenant Charles Longfellow, had been severely wounded and crippled in battle. Longfellow wrote nothing in his journal for Christmas of 1863. But on Christmas Day, 1864, renewed life and restoration kind of sprang into his heart. Healing from despair had begun. Hope was welling up in his spirit. And he wrote that day, God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail. As I said, in in 1872, John Baptiste Calkin, he got a hold of Longfellow's words and set them to music. Yes, it's the hymn 
Christmas Carol, I heard the bells on Christmas Day. Their old familiar carols play, and wild and sweet the words repeat on peace on earth, goodwill to men. I thought how, as the day had come, the belfries of all Christendom had rolled along the unbroken song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And in despair I bowed my head, there is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and marks, mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep, God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail, with peace on earth, goodwill to men. Till, ringing, singing on its way, the world revolved from night to day, a voice, a chime, a chant sublime, of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Four months after Longfellow penned those words, the Civil War ended. Both Longfellow and the nation had begun the long road to recovery and restoration. The grief over Fanny's death lessened, but it never completely left. It never does. I've stood with too many families, too many husbands and wives who have lost their spouse. And I know that years later, they still carry that grief. That's the way it should be. Not as punishment, but as a profound sense of love between the two people. Eighteen years after her death, Longfellow wrote the sonnet, The Cross of Snow. That's less popular. You may not have heard of it. But in that, he said, Such is the cross I wear upon my breast these eighteen years, through all the changing scenes and seasons changeless since the day she died. On Christmas Day, 1864, the sound of Christmas barrels, bells pierced the grief and sadness of an unexplainable loss, bringing to Longfellow the beginning of restoration and peace and healing. I know that in our audience today, there are many who grieve, maybe as you listen to the bells, but you don't hear them. I just wanted to tell you today that God is not dead, nor does he sleep. Right will prevail over wrong. There can be personal peace on earth, oh, not political peace. Jesus didn't say that. He said there'd be wars and rumors of wars, and it'll become increasingly in the end times. But Jesus also told us that we can have personal peace in our hearts. We can carry the grief of the the loss of a loved one, and I know some of you listening who support this ministry have told me that you've lost a spouse this past year. You've lost You've lost that person you loved and had spent your life with. I just want you to know that the bells are ringing for you on behalf of God. And he is saying, my peace I leave with you. Not as the world gives. I give my peace. It's different. The peace of God that passes all understanding. The message of Christmas is that he came because God loves you. And he loves me. Imagine that. And through his coming, his birth, his death, his resurrection, he provided forgiveness and healing and restoration, personal peace and eternal life. I just wanted to pause for a moment today and during the course of this program and just ask you to listen 
I know the radios are going, and that's great. I love radio. But they're going, and they're singing, you know, Santa Claus and Rudolph and all of that. And that's, you know, that's fine. But listen, do you hear the bells? They're ringing right now. The message of the Christ child. He came. Much was going on in the world. He was ignored for the most part until a political leader thought he might try to overthrow him and started ordering baby baby boys to be killed. So much of those times parallel our times. But in our personal lives, we can pause for a moment and we can say, yes, I hear those bells ringing. I wanted you to take that with you today. I think it's important. I think for all of us, myself included, that we look at Christmas Day. Beginning, whatever we plan to do on Christmas Day, we look at it from that perspective. God is with you. The sadness, the grief, the loss, the bells will ring again because they're ringing now. And your path to restoration and wholeness begins at the manger and ends at the cross. That Jesus Christ meets every need in our life. Sometimes it's difficult for us to explain to others what Christianity is like, what it means. Sometimes some of us could easily explain and give our testimony and explain what it's like that God became flesh and dwelt among us here on earth. I mean, as I spoke about on Friday, I was talking about C.S. Lewis and his sermon for Christmas, which he was addressing to the atheists, to the non-Christians. And uh, it was very direct, as C.S. Lewis always is, and obviously very well thought out, as all of his comments were. But sometimes it's hard for us to grasp what what it is about about Christmas and how can we communicate this to someone else at a different time? Paul Harvey. (laughs) There was only one Paul Harvey. I kind of grew up listening to him. Marjorie and I would listen to him in the morning when, after we first got married, when we, we'd wake up in the morning to get up and, and he just happened to be on the radio where we lived and, and, um, we'd listen to him. And the whole world listened to him, or the nation listened to him. I, he had, back in those days, I've read that he had between 20 and 25 million listeners. But he left this behind, and I think most of us have heard this, but let me share it with you today. I think it's important, and I think it's relevant. He said, the man I'm going to tell you about was not a Scrooge. He was a kind, decent, mostly good man generous to his family and upright in his dealings with other men. But he didn't just believe in all of that incarnation stuff that churches proclaim at Christmas time. It just didn't make sense that he was too honest to pretend otherwise. He just couldn't swallow the Jesus story about God coming to earth as a man, typically told as Paul Harvey would tell it. He told his wife, I'm truly sorry to distress you, but I'm not going to go to church with you this Christmas Eve. He said he would feel like a hypocrite. He said, I I just don't believe all that, and I don't want to go to church because I would be a hypocrite. 
that he would much rather stay at home. He said, I'll just stay up and wait for you. You go to church and I'll be here when you get back. So he stayed and they went on to the midnight service. Shortly after the family drove away in the car, snow began to fall. He went back to the window to watch the flurries getting heavier and heavier. Then he went back to his fireside chair and began to read the newspaper. Minutes later, he was startled by a thudding sound. Then another, then another. At first, he thought someone must be throwing snowballs against the living room window. But when he went to the front door to investigate it, he found a flock of birds huddled outside miserably in the snow. They'd been caught in the storm in a desperate search for shelter. They had tried to fly through his large landscape window. That's what was making the sound. Well, he couldn't let the poor little creatures just lie there and freeze, so he remembered the barn where his children kept their pony. He said, that would provide a warm shelter. He said, all I have to do is direct the birds into the shelter. Quickly, he put on his coat and boots, and he trampled through the deepened snow to the barn. He opened the doors wide and turned on the light so the birds so the birds would see where to go and know the way in. But the birds didn't come in. Oh, no. So he figured the food would entice them. He hurried back to the house, fetched some breadcrumbs. He sprinkled them on the snow, made a trail of breadcrumbs to the light, yellow-lighted, wide-open door of the stable. But to his dismay, the birds ignored the breadcrumbs. The birds continued to flap around helplessly in the snow. He tried catching them, but he couldn't. He tried shooing them into the barn by walking around and waving his arms. But they scattered in every direction, every direction except into the warm-lighted barn. So that's when he realized they were afraid of him. To them, he reasoned, I am a strange and terrifying creature. If only I could think of some way to let them know that they can trust me, that I am not trying to hurt them, but to help them. But how? Any move he made tended to frighten them and confuse them. They just would not follow. They would not be led or shooed because they feared him. He thought to himself, If only I could be a bird and mingle with them and speak their language, then I could tell them not to be afraid. Then I could show them the way to the safe, warm, to the safe, warm barn. But I would have to be one of them so they could see and hear and understand. At that moment, the church bells began to ring. The sound reached his ears above the sounds of the wind. He stood there listening to the bells. Adiste Fidelis. Listening to the bells, pealing the glad tidings of Christmas. And he sank to his knees in the snow. As follow-up, you can read Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 through 11. That's the man and the birds, and it so characterizes what Christmas is really all about. Every Christmas, millions of us go on to search for the perfect gift for our loved ones. If the gift is just right or our loved ones open the package, they'll say with a gasp, oh, it's wonderful. Sometimes, even if it isn't, they'll say that to make you feel good. On the first Christmas, God gave the ultimate perfect gift to his loved ones, to all of us. He wrapped heaven's treasure in the tiny, humble frame of a baby, beaming with delight. He gave us his only son. On that night, like a proud father, God sent angels to deliver a message, an announcement, a birth announcement, to some really astonished shepherds on a hillside 
who rushed to see the baby born in an animal shelter and laid a feeding trough as a makeshift crib. And so the first Christmas took place not in a cozy home around a brightly lit tree, but in a pen with a few farm animals, some shepherds, and two exhausted parents gazing at the greatest gift anyone has ever received. The message to the world from God is summarized in Luke chapter 2. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came unto them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto him and to you. He shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill towards men. That really is what Christmas is all about. The birds trying to find shelter, and yet when shelter is open to them, they run away from shelter because they don't understand. We live in a world today that's very confused. We talk a lot about that on this program. A world that is looking for peace, looking for answers. Many, some are not. Some are divisive and trying to mislead the public. But most people, most people are seeking a better life. They want something better for themselves, their families. There's something in their heart. There is an emptiness that people feel today in this world, particularly in our culture today. As we look at it and the the voices and the influences that whip and wave across the culture like the sea in a storm. And people are tossed to and fro because they don't have a rudder. They don't have any sense of direction because they don't know right from wrong. They don't know up from down in this world today because it's so confused. There have been those that have worked diligently to undermine the truth. There is only one truth, and that is that God loved us, and he sent his only begotten son, not many gods, not many religions. It's only one. I know that doesn't fly in today's secular culture. I understand that. But that doesn't make it not true. It is true. And God, God cared enough to send his son for you and me. And we, like the birds, we are looking for shelter. We're looking for safety. We're looking for peace, shelter. We're flying around because maybe we're afraid. Maybe we're afraid professionally to actually become a well-known Christian in our family, our community, and really give our hearts and lives to God. Maybe we're afraid of the cold, losing friends, and maybe even family members. Families are often split over the message of the gospel. It's sad, but it's true. It happens. Maybe we haven't really realized that God is trying to lead us into a better life, a better way. But he is. 
Perhaps, perhaps on this day we can hear the bells of Christmas. Maybe this is our moment to slip to our knees in the snow (laughs) in a moment of understanding. I know sometimes some of us have gone to church all of our life, very devout in our religious practices, but we have never really gone into the barn. We've never really accepted Jesus Christ as Savior. We're religious. We believe, sort of, all of that. I mean, we don't, we wonder about it when we think deeply about it, but we believe it. We accept it. We don't defy it. We go to church. We're involved. We have friends and family in the church, and that's kind of a big part of our life. And we sing the hymns and listen to the sermons. And But there's never been a moment in our life where we've actually sunk to our knees in the snow moment. We've never really experienced what this Christmas thing is really all about. It's about a life that cannot be experienced outside of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what it's all about. That's why Christ came, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. If we don't go into the warmth of the barn, we keep flying around out in the snowstorm, we'll perish. Maybe this is your moment. And I understand we don't talk about this at length on this program. We talk about the news of the day, and we look at it from a biblical perspective. But maybe on this day, we can just, you and me, we can just set aside a moment, and you can ask Jesus Christ to become your Lord and your Savior, not just a baby in a crib, as important as that is. God became flesh and dwelt among us. But it's even more important that we understand the meaning of that and we embrace that truth, that God does love us, that Jesus Christ is the only way to God. There is no other way to peace, to meaning in life, to purpose in life than through Jesus Christ, his Son. That's what Christmas is all about, and I would encourage you, encourage you if you have not asked Christ to become your Savior. Yes, you believe in Christian principles, and yes, you believe in the values of Judeo-Christianity, of course. You probably wouldn't be listening to this program if you didn't have some interest in that, maybe a great interest. But more importantly, have we asked Jesus Christ to become our Savior, our Lord, I hear people often say, well, Jesus said he's the Prince of Peace. I don't see peace on this earth. No, I don't either. There really isn't any peace on this earth. But the peace is in the hearts of those who know him personally. It's a peace that passes all understanding. So I would encourage you on this Christmas day to give yourself a gift. Accept the gift of eternal life through accepting Jesus Christ as Savior. Lord, I have sinned, and I have come short of the glory of God, but I believe that you are the Savior. I believe you rose from the dead, and I believe that you could forgive my sins, and I ask you to do that. That's the prayer 
of Christmas for everyone who doesn't know Christ personally. Hey, thanks for being with me today. I'll see you in a week. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.